This is Shifting Our Schools episode 49, Rolling Out in Nampa. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you always for tuning in and listening this week. So glad to have you here and to continuing our journey in shifting our schools, uh, talking with teachers uh, around the world and specifically here uh, in the Pacific Northwest where I am located here in Seattle, Washington and happen to have some great teachers uh, in this area, this part of the world that I get a chance to talk to on the podcast, uh, but we're wanting to expand that as well. So thank you uh, as always for for uh being here and listening. I appreciate it. You can find a lot of what we talk about on Twitter at the hashtag SOS podcast on Twitter and other social networks. And so uh, you can find us there and you can find everything else we do over at eduralearning.com, which is the company uh, that helps support this and runs this and that we help teachers with. And we'll be talking more about that. Uh, but it is May. Congratulations. We made it. Uh, my wife is not counting down the dates to the end of the school, but I found out the other day that she has seven Seven more Sundays to get up. So she's not counting down, but just seven more Sundays. So whatever your number is, uh, I'm sure you're starting to think about what these last two months are. And I love this time of year because other than testing, uh, it's a really good time of year to think about and to play with some of those things you might have been, you know, hearing about throughout the year. You get this little kind of freedom area where, you know, if you want to try something different or take a risk someplace uh, in your teaching and learning, this is a great time of year to do that. And and I love some of the uh, interviews we have coming up with teachers and some of the ideas that are being spread around that. So uh, I hope you enjoy listening to some of these interviews we have coming up. A couple things right before we get to today's show. I have two exciting things I want to talk about. One, in the last episode, episode 48, I talked about uh, the Future Is Now conference that we are holding here in Seattle on June 27th. Uh, I want I went really in depth in episode uh, 48, so you can go back and listen to that if you want to hear more about what that conference is really about. But really what we're looking for is we're looking to spend a day with educators and business leaders. We've got some business leaders here from around the Seattle area uh, to talk about what is today's workplace like, uh, the skills and dispositions needed, and what that means for us in education. And things have changed, you know. We talked Talking about hiring millennial educators, we are now actually um, imparting our wisdom or we're teaching the generation that is not the millennials, it's the generation after the millennials, and they don't have a name quite yet, but we are finding their name or they will tell us soon enough what their name is. And these generations are different and they're different in the workplace as well. And so this conference is really going to look at what are those skills and dispositions that companies and leaders are saying that they want. And then we spend that day kind of unpacking that and building some, uh, our own understanding and knowledge of what does that mean for our, our teaching and learning in our classroom. So to find more, you can go to uh, sospodcast.org. That's our website sospodcast.org slash T-F-I-N. The future is now. T-F-I-N. SOSpodcast.org slash T-F-I-N for more information. You can register there. We've got discounts if you can bring five or ten people. We really want this to be teams focused together, thinking about what does this mean for a school, uh, learning with leaders throughout the day. And it's a STEM-focused conference, so we are getting leaders from different STEM um, 
arenas here in Seattle to come and, and spend the day with us. And we're really, really appreciative and looking forward to having a good time. That's June 27th. Hope to see some of you here. Also, the second announcement then is uh, Kim's coaching micro-credential uh, is... Uh, launch is finishing this week. So this is the last day, actually, the today, the day I'm recording this is the last day for you to sign up. If you are an instructional coach and you would really like to go deep in your learning, then this is an amazing learning opportunity for you. Um, if not, you'll have to wait a year uh, before this is opened up again. So you can head over to edurolearning.com and there's all the information there on the homepage to get you started. But what this does mean is that we are wrapping up launching the coach marching, con- uh, the coach micro credential, which means we are getting ready to start talking about our next micro credential. And that micro-credential I'm very excited about because I am also the one that leads it. Kim leads the coach micro-credential. I lead the one-to-one classroom teacher. And so over the next few months, we're really going to be focusing in on what does it mean to teach in a one-to-one classroom. And it's going to be geared towards the one-to-one classroom teacher or those who might be finding themselves uh, next uh, next August in a one-to-one classroom. So from June through August, so over the summer months, we will be dedicating a lot of our shows here at Shifting Our Schools to the one-to-one teacher. And I'm going to need your help. I already have a list of topi- topics that I think teachers in one-to-one classrooms want to know and learn about, but I want to also hear from you, our listeners, and those of you who find yourself in one-to-one schools or in one-to-one classrooms, or if you have questions yourself, what are the burning questions you would like answers to, ideas about, or just want to hear others discuss? If there is something you're like, you know what, I wish somebody would just answer this question, or I wish I had more ideas on how to do X, Y, and Z. It could be something as specific as how does a one-to-one classroom affect my band class? Or it could be something as um, as broad as like, why the heck are we giving every kid a computer? Either way you want to go, we are open to all questions. So what I'd like you to do is, is you can send me your questions. You can send them to me via email, uh, jeff at edurolearning.com. You can tweet them to me if you, if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can leave a comment on this post over at sospodcast.org. You can leave a comment on our Flipgrid at sospodcast.org slash questions. If you have a question about one-to-one classrooms, if you want ideas about management or um, using multiple devices because most kids have a cell phone. If there's just anything that's kind of burning that you'd like to hear us discuss here at the podcast, um, I'd love to, I'd love to get that list from you so that we can really make these episodes as relevant as possible. My second ask for you is then next week, I'm going to be launching a website where you can sign up to be on the podcast to talk about some different ideas. So we're going to take those ideas. We're going to narrow them down to probably, I'm going to say 10 to 12 um, topics, and those will be the 10 to 12 episodes. And then we're going to get together and record them and have these come out over the summer months as we prepare and start thinking about next school year and how do we make sure that teaching and learning in a one-to-one classroom is relevant, authentic, and purposeful authentic, purposeful learning environments is what we're after. So I'm so looking forward to that. And with that, we are going to get into today's show. And it fits perfectly with our theme of getting ready to talk about one-to-one teaching and what it means to being in a one-to-one school. Uh, This week, 
my guest was Tim Rigsby from East Valley Middle School in the Nampa School District from Nampa, Idaho. And our conversation revolves around the one-to-one rollout plan and implementation that Nampa School District is going through right now and Tim's role as a coach in facilitating the rollout. A lot of information in here about how they are doing it. There's no right or wrong way to roll. Well, there are wrong ways to roll out uh, one-to-one programs. I will say that. But there are a lot of different ways to do it right. And his school district uh, is doing an amazing job at at this rollout. And you're going to hear just some of the ways that they are. And there's some great tidbits in here around classroom management and some structures that they've put in place that you might be able to take away as well. So I'm so excited to be able to uh, sit down with Tim for this. And with that, on to the show. All right. Is there anything specific you want to talk about in this podcast or just kind of, we can just chat about the work that you're doing there. Where's your school district at? What do you see as kind of the big obstacles or hurdles or things you're working on? And Right. Absolutely. And so we are, just to give you a little background, we are part of phase two in our district, um, our school East Valley. Um, we rolled out a thousand, roughly a thousand devices to middle school kids, grade six, seven, and eight this year. Um, and then next year, phase three, our district is kind of pushing forward with the rest of our middle schools. So the other three middle schools and the other two high schools, uh, phase one was last school year. And that was one of one of the high schools and a handful of elementary schools. Um, so we were taking a step away from elementary next year, um, and getting into just completing our secondary schools. That's great. Being one-to-one. That's great. So talk, talk a little bit then um, just about what, uh, what do you see as like, well, we'll introduce yourself first. Sure. So like just who, who are you? What's your role? How long you've been in education? That kind of thing. Uh, so if you can get us started with that. Yeah. So uh, Tim Rigsby from the Nampa School District. I've worked uh, in education, public education in Idaho since 2005. I actually started out as a PE and health teacher, um, spent a few years doing that, went to work for a school called Juniper Hills, uh, which is actually a school inside the Department of Juvenile Corrections facility here in Nampa. Oh, wow. and spent a couple years there in the classroom and then took over as principal, uh, leading that school through uh, some changes and um, implementing the new GED standards and Common Core and new curriculum and, and a, lot of, a lot of change there. Um, decided to come back to kind of the traditional K-12 model, had an opportunity to teach computer applications in the middle school here, and did that for about three years, um, just teaching basic Microsoft Office um, to kids and kind of dipping the toe in uh, coding and and some other uh, computer science disciplines, and then um, spent some time this last school year, this school year rather, and the second half of last school year, working as kind of the personalized learning coordinator for our school in preparing for this deployment, this one-to-one deployment, working with our Vanguard team, which were um, teachers that had volunteered to not only submit the application um, to be considered to go one-to-one, but also uh, be be leaders in the school for training teachers on different platforms, learning platforms and websites and um, different educational tool or uh, technology tools that they could use in their classroom. Mm. So this school year, uh, my title, official title is instructional coach um, with the focus being integrating technology in the classroom. Cool. So 
Talk to me a little bit about, like you talked about your personalized learning coordinator. What does that mean at a district level? Like what does a district do when they hire a personal learning coordinator? What's that idea? Yeah, we have a a district level personalized learning coordinator um, who kind of coordinates from the district standpoint, all of the other schools, all the PD, all the instructional coaches, um, and kind of gets everybody on the same page. And that's that, that gentleman's Chad Longley. And he um, has spent this year um, just kind of getting his feet wet, understanding what, where, what our vision will be as a district and, and where we're heading. Um, he's been instrumental in um, helping us recognize, you know, where, where we can spend our PD money um, and also um, how, how the tech coaches or the instructional coaches at the building level can help teachers use technology more efficiently um, and effectively in the classroom to have better outcomes for kids. So that's kind of been his stance here at the building level. I've, I've really worked hard to build relationships with teachers yeah. uh, and students, frankly, um, and as well as our help desk coordinator. We have a, a help desk here on site. And so just kind of bridging the gap between a bunch of different areas, talking with parents, talking with kids, working with teachers, um, just really coordinating all of this one-to-one initiative, um, making sure that, you know, everything's taken care of from not only a, you know, technology's working standpoint, but also uh, delivery of, of information in the classroom, delivery of cur- curriculum in the classroom. Mm, that's cool. So how many years have you been like in the, the entire, like the official instructional coach role technology? This now, is, is it technology coaching or is it like just all instruction and technology is the umbrella? Like how does your district or how is it kind of being implemented there uh, in Nampa? Right. So it's, it's kind of both. We, we have a cadre of people in our district that are instructional coaches and, and they're not necessarily in schools that uh, have a lot of technology. And then we have people like myself who um, are in uh, schools that are one-to-one or have, you know, almost two-to-one yeah. in some schools that, that are really trying to infuse uh, more technology in the classroom. Um, about six weeks ago, I had a conversation with our curriculum director about this very thing, about how hard it is to be a very good instructional leader um, in the instructional coaching, um, and then also be good at using technology. It's it's hard to to do to be good at both. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I'm I'm hoping that we uh, continue to build up um, our teachers as leaders uh, in the instructional leadership role, but also our teachers as leaders in in instructional technology and using technology for learning. Yeah, so that's that cool. Try to try to bridge that gap. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your rollout. You mentioned that there was an application process for teachers. Was that part of your rollout? Did teachers apply to become, for lack of a better term, one-to-one teachers? Or did you guys roll out a school at a time? How, how did that roll out or how is that rollout going? How are you guys implementing that? So phase one, which was last school year, those schools um, did apply to be uh, one-to-one schools. So and when you were, say the school applied, the principal fills it out? Like the principal at the district level says, I want my school to be one-to-one or? A principal in a group of teachers. And in so, teachers. Okay. yeah. And so that was how phase one and phase two were selected. We were part of phase two. Okay. And so in October, I want to say October, 2016, okay. a group of teachers from, from our school at East Valley got together with our principal, um, a couple of other leaders in the building, the instructional coach at the time. And we started having conversations as a group about um, possibly applying for one-to-one and being part of phase two. 
Um, we submitted an application as a group together to the district um, committee that kind of oversees personalized learning or the NAMPA personalized learning um, initiative. And as a result of our application, our resources, our personnel and whatnot, our school was selected to be a part of phase two. Hmm. Um, and then where's group, the funding coming from, from that? Is that district funded then? Like, or is it a levy funded? How, how are you guys funding the one-to-one then at the school? Right. So in, in our district, we've been very fortunate that we have had a supported uh, tax base who has passed not one, but two levies as right. part of the uh, personalized learning initiative. So we just very passed cool. another one in the fall at the November uh, general election. We, we passed Congrats. one that, that will help us with uh, phase three and four. There are two years. It's a two year levy. Mm, very cool. That's great. So, so you apply, so a school, I find that interesting. That's an interesting approach that, that the school leader, like the principal or the school leader gets a group of teachers together and you decide to become a one-to-one school, regardless if you're high school, middle school or elementary right. by the sounds of things, right? Like, in, Yeah, it was definitely um, something that, that was open to every school in the district. And, and I believe for, for phase two, most of our, if not all of our middle schools, applied but we were the we were the one middle school that was selected it it may have been in part because the high school that we feed into was part of phase one uh, um, so i'm guessing that was a factor in it as well and so that pipeline was kind of already established yeah and how big is your district oh geez i knew this question would come up and i wouldn't have the answer <laughs> How many high schools? Like just how many schools? Like that kind of helps people. Sure. It's, it's roughly, I think, 14 to 16 schools. We have uh, three traditional high schools, a, a big picture learning alternative school, a, um, a leadership academy, which is new this year. It's an innovation school. Mm, cool. It's called the Treasure Valley Leadership Academy. They're in year one this year. Um, and then we have four four middle schools and then just a, a slew of elementary schools. We yeah. have, I think, four four elementaries that feed into our middle school. Wow. And then our middle school, most of our kids head into the one high school. Okay. Well, that's cool. So talk to me then about this, about your instructional coaching style. We have a lot of instructional coaches that listen to the podcast and, and that we, of course, that we work with at um, Edura Learning as well with the coaching micro-credential that's shooting off and everything else that we do around coaches. Talk to me a little bit about like, how do you start? You said that, you know, you're really into like building relationships with teachers. What does that mean for you? What strategies have you found work for you or work with teachers? Um, you know, for me, it really, I kind of had a leg up on, on other people because I was in the building. I was as a, as a classroom teacher the last three years. And so I already had some relationships with, uh, different folks in the building. And so, I mean, it was easy to just kind of invite myself into classrooms, Uh, before the school year started, starting about August 1st, I actually wasn't on contract and still until I think August 15th, this school year. Um, but on August 1st, I sent out an email to our entire staff and I said, I'm available. Just reach out anytime before school. And and I used uh, uh, signup.com and, and had people just kind of sign up for meeting times and had, um, you know, roughly a dozen or so teachers that um, whether they needed help setting up like a docking station, because we, we rolled out with a Dell docking station so that they could have not only their laptop display, but a second display. If they needed help with that, if it was... I can't figure out how to get my projector to work now because that's different. It, it was some of those things. And then there were some other, you know, more kind of content focused, like how do I incorporate, you know, this, or how do I incorporate more technology in this lesson or this activity or this unit? 
um, a lot of conversations about OneNote, um, how to set up a class notebook, things like that. And so I just made myself available. Um, when we rolled out, my role was not so much coaching. Uh, it was really was kind of a tech support. Right. Um, because we wanted teachers to feel, we wanted teachers to feel supported there. Right. Um, and made sure, and we, I kind of knew based on my experience working with, with the folks in the building that there was going to be some, some hiccups with technology and that if we didn't have a smooth um, rollout, that people would stop using it shortly after adopting. And so I spent the fall, a good portion of the fall, you know, getting into classrooms, being responsive to emails whenever problems popped up and, and just really trying to um, address all the concerns um, as quickly as possible from people so that they could continue to kind of do their job. That's great. And what's like your, what, what does a daily schedule look like for you now that you're kind of into it now you're through that fall, you know, you're coming to the end of the year. And I know right. this, like, like we were talking before we started recording and just the idea that you're going through the testing thing and that thousand kids testing at a time, but like yeah. in your regular, in a regular day or a regular week, how often are you meeting with teachers? What's kind of your routine as far as the instructional part? It's been interesting. It, it started out um, kind of slow because yeah. again, a lot of the focus was on making sure the technology was working. And, and then it started to speed up a little bit. And, and about October, November, um, started to spend a lot more time with teachers, kids, spending time in classrooms. Uh, then it slowed down again about January, yeah, January, February, and started to speed up a little bit uh, recently in March. Um, but since testing, it's been kind of a lull again. And so um, that roller coaster has been an interesting thing for myself to be on. Um, and I think for our, our teachers as well. Um, Today, for example, I've spent a good portion of my time trying to get caught up on things that were kind of put off to the side last week yeah. during testing. So um, doing, I do a lot of the follow-up with um, when kids have damage, uh, damage devices and whatnot. Our, we have a help desk coordinator who um, works directly with Dell to send devices back. But then if, they, if the families didn't buy the device insurance, then we have, you know, bills and whatnot that have to be paid. And so having some of, the, some of those conversations. So I spent a good portion of my day doing that today. Um, yeah. But I, I know that I have emails from a handful of teachers that um, want to spend some time one-on-one -on -one during prep, kind of getting ready for something that's coming um, some, at some point the rest of the school year. Mm. The other piece that, you know, we have to get ready for as a school is, is collection. So we did deployment really well spent a whole lot of time on deployment rollout. Now we have to talk about collection and getting ready for summer. Yeah, getting the devices back and getting them updated. Uh, do you run PD for your teachers? And what does that look like? Like, do you do after school PD? Or how do you make, do you do any kind of like larger group PD? Or do you do staff meetings? And, and what does that look like for, for your staff as you go through this rollout? Yeah, absolutely. So our Vanguard team, which I've kind of talked a little bit about, they're the, the teacher leaders that were the early adopters. They were the people that were part of that application process. Um, they're a group that has uh, gone through the hack training. Uh, we've partnered with Northwest Nazarene University and the Doceo Center, gone through hack training. And so that group of people really has done a lot of the PD. Um, I've really tried to take a stance of um, we want to build leaders within our classrooms. And so I've really leaned heavily on different teachers for uh, PD, meeting PD in the class, in, in at staff meetings at after school events and whatnot. Um, we, we probably should have done a lot more of the kind of optional after school PD than we did this year. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's something that we, that we definitely have learned is that, you know, we need to probably have more opportunities um, for people after school or before school and whatnot. And that's yeah. something that we'll definitely, you know, try to be a little more formal about next year. Um, but our big focus this year has been on um, the highly structured and the allowed choices attributes of, of hack training. Mm. Um, Talk to really, me a little bit about that hack model. Those that don't know, uh, the hack model that uh, you guys partnering with the university. Can you talk a little bit about what hack stands for and kind of what that training looks like for, for teachers? Absolutely. So the, the easiest comparison is to the SAMR model. So the hack model and the SAMR model are similar. Um, the, the hack, the acronym stands for highly structured, allowed choices, consistent application, and then knowledge centered. Um, and there's a, a whole conversation about um, what we do in the classroom for, you know, what effective instruction looks like. Um, for us, we've spent all of our time or most of our time living in H&A, um, mm-hmm. living in that highly structured classroom, talking about replacement activities, um, doing something on paper first and then putting it in technology, um, you know, in, in the computer or, or onto some sort of online platform, mm-hmm. um, talking about um, high content rigor and low technology rigor so that you can not, not be so burnt out on trying to learn a new, a new platform, yeah. <laughs> a new website, a new program, yeah. um, and the content at the same time. And so um, we've really tried to emphasize, you know, good classroom management and um, having really clear uh, management procedures and, and whatnot um, this year, especially. Um, the allowed choices piece is starting to give uh, more choice to kids um, in how they demonstrate their learning, ways in which they um, can uh, choose. So, for example, if a teacher is doing a um, lesson on World War II um, and covers everything that they want to cover, then they kind of flip it back to the kids and they have an opportunity to choose if they want to create a video, if they want to make a poster, if they want to make a website, just how they demonstrate their learning. And so that's that's where that allowed choice is. That's the big takeaway from the allowed choices piece is, is giving more uh, choice and voice to kids. Mm, very cool. Very cool. Um, talk to me a little bit about like, what is one of your favorite maybe units um, or learning journeys that you've done this year, uh, partnering with a teacher and some kids? Like, was there a really cool project that you were like, man, that was kind of cool. You got done with it and you're like, that was some really cool stuff going on. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of those kind of bright spots. Um, really for me, the, the, the thing that I, value myself the most is seeing or proud of the most is seeing teachers kind of take that ownership and be creative um, without me um, and and inviting me in after the fact. Um, And that's, that's been really kind of neat to see is to see teachers um, kind of take ownership and get that confidence to do some of those things. The app smashing has been cool. I'm seeing teachers app smash and not realize what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I, I had a teacher early on who, was resistant um, to kind of changing the way that he had done things. And he and I had a conversation about, you know, you don't have to lose everything. You can still have relationships with kids. You can still do labs. You can still do all these things as a science teacher. Um, And then a couple weeks later, he showed me how he had taken Nearpod and smashed it together with something else and smashed it together with something else. And it was just, he had no idea what he was doing, but the end result was really, really cool to see. And the kids were really engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about the student engagement in your first year of this rollout. Are you, are you feeling like kids are more engaged or you said you have, you know, building those relationships with kids. What are you hearing from students around the one-to-one initiative? 
you know, from every kid that we, that I've talked to, they, they don't want to go back. They don't want to go back to how it was before. Um, for a lot of our kids, we have roughly 60% uh, free and reduced lunch. And so um, for them to have a laptop like this is, is pretty special. Um, not all of our kids have, you know, smartphones or things like that. And so um, there's, there's that piece where that excitement that, oh my gosh, I've got this cool piece of technology. Yeah. Um, the other piece of it that kids are probably most excited about is the ability to play games and things like of course. that. Um, there, we will see a shift, I think, over, over especially next year, um, not only in our instruction, but also in our learning to where kids are taking more ownership of learning and um, turning into being creators more than consumers. Hmm, I like that. Have you, um, that on that gaming piece, have you, has that been a, a sticking point with teachers as well? Is that you were talking about, you know, focusing on good classroom management and kids. And then you just said, you know, kids wanting it to, for no other reason to play games. Like that's especially right. for the boys, but also for the girls. Um, yeah. but that idea of, of just, you know, gameplay, uh, and what, what's that been like and what are some things and how are you helping teachers manage classroom management in that, in that connected classroom setting? You know, one of the things that I, I tell people all the time is if they're, if you're finding something that's irritating you as a teacher, the kids doing with technology, figure out a way to use it for learning, figure mm-hmm. out a way to flip, like you know, that. Skype, for example, Skype for business has been a big thing this year. Since we're a Microsoft school, a Microsoft district, we get that, you know, the Skype access to Skype. And so kids have really taken ownership of that and are having conversations across the room with, you know, somebody else yeah. on the surface that feels really messy and really bad. And it's, you know, whatever. But if you actually look at some of the conversations kids are having, it's the kid across the room that, you know, isn't understanding something and is too embarrassed to raise their hand. And so they're asking, you know, their friend in the classroom. So there's been opportunities like that. Minecraft was huge this year. I mean, yeah. kids, once they found out that they could create servers in Minecraft and, you know, have their little Minecraft battles and whatnot, it was a little bit frustrating for teachers. But, you know, when you start having conversations with teachers about how you, how can you use this for learning? How can you use this to make your lessons better? And you find that um, the seventh grade social studies teacher is having kids, you know, build a, a guild of sorts and, you know, a world or whatever in Minecraft and kids are demonstrating they're learning that way. Uh, it really kind of changes from gameplay for fun to gameplay for learning. And those conversations that you're having around this kind of stuff, are those, are those being held by uh, the principal and the administration at a staff meeting? Is this as a, as a school community, as a school staff, are you having those bigger conversations or is this more of like you and other instructional coaches having like a one-off, you know, a one-off conversation here? Like I can't keep the kids off the, you know, off the computers or off the games. Yeah. So a lot of it has been just in pockets at grade levels. Um, and in, in the hallways and in, you know, kind of small group meetings during prep periods, things like that. It hasn't been, there hasn't been a huge push from a school standpoint as far as, um, you know, this is frustrating to you, so you should probably figure out how to use it. Um, things like that. I apologize if you hear a, a ringing in the background, the fire alarm's going off. We have a fire drill right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, I went out to, I came out to the portable thinking that I would not have the uh, fire alarm go off out here because the portable is not used for classrooms anymore. But oh. sure enough, it's flashing lights over in the corner and it's going to make a little bit of a buzzing. Uh, oh, that's all right. Um, anyway, but yeah. Teachers will be so, used to that. Yeah. So there wasn't, there wasn't a real, there hasn't been a big conversation school wide um, about it. It's definitely popped up on email a few times. I've received a fair number of emails of sure. asking me to block this or block that. And my answer has always been the same. We can't block everything and figure out a way to use it for learning. Yeah. 
If you had to give one uh, piece of advice to a school that is either uh, just getting ready to roll out one to one or is that preparation stage to in in the rollout, what what was like your one big takeaway from your rollout this year um, that you think that uh, piece of advice you give to a school that that might be preparing to do that? So for us, one of the things that was very successful um, with our rollout is the the time that our Vanguard team, our leadership team, placed upon kind of building the management procedures. Um, for us, we incorporated a stoplight system, so a red, yellow, green uh, stoplight system. Green basically means that your device should be out and uh, ready, and you should actively be working on a bell ringer or whatever's on the board. Yellow is your device is out but closed on just sitting on top of your desk, and red is your device is out, or excuse me, your device is put away in your bag. Um, and so those stoplights are found off, oftentimes right outside the teacher's door. And so kids know coming in. Uh, the other piece that with that management um, management procedures that we kind of put in place was we developed kind of 10. We took the acceptable use policy, the 55 page acceptable use policy that, that everybody was supposed to read and sign um, all 55 pages. Wow. Um, or however long it is. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty thick. We took that and kind of pared it down into 10 kind of student-friendly rules, oh, that's um, cool. like, use, like use your device for learning, um, things like that, keep food and drink away from your device, those sorts of things that, you know, uh, are important. And we, we, we took that down, pared it down to 10, and then posted it all around our school. We also talked to it um, as well during our advisories, and it's been revisited a couple of times. So those two things were, were super important for us. Um, having a solid rollout plan was important for us of when we were going to roll out, what that was going to look like. Um, since we have a thousand kids and we gave every kid a device and a charger and a bag that all looked the same, um, we made a decision early on that we needed to put names on them. And as yeah. simple as that sounds, that has saved us a whole bunch of time. You know, they all have an asset tag on the device um, with a six digit number that I could go look up or I could just look at the sticker right next to it that has their name and they can get yeah. it back to kids a lot easier. This belongs to Susie. Susie, exactly. this is your computer. <laughs> There's some other yeah. things that we didn't think about that related to that is what yeah. happens when something does go missing? What do we do? And mm -hmm. so as a school, we just kind of had to figure that out on the fly. And, and those things are things that you don't think about that, and you don't feel like they're very important, but they've been super important for us. And none of that has to do with, with teaching and learning. It all right. is management procedures. Um, the place where we probably should have spent more time as a school um, was working with parents and families hmm. uh, and including them as being a, a bigger part of our conversation. So for example, uh, early on, we had a lot of parents call up and say, you know, that's not the way I was taught. That's not the way I was, right. I, I learned or I spent my time in school. So I don't want my right. kid to have a laptop. Yeah. So we had a lot of those conversations and, and I don't know how many times I asked a parent if they were calling me on a rotary phone yeah. <laughs> and reminding them that, you know, technology has changed. This is the 10 year anniversary of the iPhone. Yeah. We're, we're not driving cars without power steering anymore. I mean, we're, we're truly, you know, moving forward as a society. And, and so it's time for education to move forward as well. And oh, that's so, cool. Um, are you guys, hold, do you guys hold parent nights or are those most like one-off conversations? Those were more one-off conversations. We did host a couple of parent nights. We hosted one in the spring um, with our fifth graders before they were coming up. We invited parents um, at, our, at our fifth grade, sixth grade open house in the spring uh, to come stop by and, and talk about um, what we're, where we were heading, what we were doing. Uh, we also had a parent night at our open house in the fall 
about the day or two days before we rolled out. Um, and, and both of those were well attended. We uh, communicated out to families via email uh, all summer long saying, hey, you've got to, you know, not only get this uh, acceptable use policy read and signed, but if you want to buy insurance, you can buy insurance. And if you have questions, reach out to, you know, Mr. Rigsby or Mr. Christ or, you know, whoever um, they felt comfortable with. So yeah. um, we could have done more. The other piece that we probably, um, that we will be doing differently next year, uh, and this is something I actually heard on, on one of your podcasts, was um, kind of building a home and school contract of sorts, mm. um, where the families have a part, the student has a part, the teacher has a part. Um, similar to what we do, uh, since we're a Title I school, we have a home and school compact that we have to do for Title I. We're going to do something similar like that next year. Well, that's so great. That and that's such parents, a great... Yeah, I like that. And I like that you're using almost a template that you've used that used as your title one template, right? Using right. template. That's, that's because parents are already familiar with it. Uh, it's just a nice way to create that contract. I like that idea. Yeah. And it's, you know, we, we've fielded a fair number of calls this year of, you know, Susie just is, she's, she's just on, on playing games all the time at home. And so we've yeah. had some of those conversations of, well, this is what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> to have a dedicated charging station in your house and you need to probably put that charging station in your bedroom as the yeah. parent. So things like that. So we're going to try to establish some of those procedures with families early on next year. And yeah. so that way we can revisit those conversations with our advisory teachers and, and the mentor teachers and make sure that, you know, Johnny and Susie are actually doing what they said they were going to do. Yeah. I like that. What app would you say is probably been like, if you think at a school level that, you know, if you kind of reflect on this year, is there been like one app or one website that you feel like most of the teachers have adopted or seems to be the most impactful or was like that low hanging fruit uh, that right. allowed teachers to really kind of be like, okay, I see what this can do. Was there one specifically that kind of sticks out in your mind? You know, surprisingly for me, I, I thought it was going to be any number of things, but it was OneNote. OneNote right. has been very impactful for our school and our kids. Um, it, it's gotten rid of the, I left it at home. Yeah. Uh, I left my homework at home or, or I lost it or whatever. It's gotten rid of that. Um, and we're, we're probably not using OneNote to its fullest extent. We haven't turned on the parent access. Um, we're using the collaboration space very minimally yeah. um, in our you're classroom. You're in your first so, year, right? Like you're right. in your first year or so. Right. So that's been probably the one that's been the biggest. You know, Kahoot is really popular with our sixth graders. Um, we're, we're getting Adobe Spark, the K-12 Adobe Spark set up yeah, that's now. Gonna be great. Um, that's going to be great. That's going to be huge yeah. uh, for us because that was when our Vanguard team was going through hack training last spring. Um, Adobe Spark was probably our favorite platform, um, but we found out, you know, how many things that kids could find on there that we didn't want them to find. And so right. it was kind of a real bummer. Um, so that'll be huge. Canva has been big. Um, our ELA department has really hammered in or honed in on uh, no red ink um, okay. for, for grammar uh, support. Um, Nearpod, Nearpod was huge. We, we actually bought a school license for Nearpod. Yeah. And, and at what point do you decide to buy a school license? Like, do you, like, do you have input in that, that you're just like, you can go to administration and say, look, this thing is blowing up. If we get a license, we can do X, Y, and Z. I think this is like this, this one is worth buying versus that one. Maybe not. Right. And that's been part of our learning this year as well. So um, our school principal has, has invested um, in Nearpod. Uh, we've also invested a little bit in Book Creator um, for, for some teachers that, that wanted to use Book Creator. That's one of my favorite ones. 
Um, and so we've had some conversations. As you know, a lot of those uh, creation and learning platforms are expensive. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard to say, allocate, you know, $7,500 for one website for no yeah, Reading, exactly. for example. Yeah. And so this year um, we spent roughly, I think $5,000 um, on uh, Nearpod and a handful of others for individual right. teachers. I think next year, instead of saying, Hey, we're going to buy Nearpod, for example, I think we'll, we'll give teachers an allowance to spend um, on what they need um, as opposed, as opposed to us just kind of forcing it down and saying, you're going to use this. Um, yeah. And see, yeah. I'm, I'm coming around to liking that approach as well, because a, there's so many things out there, right. You know, and, and as much as I love that, you know, you get this big district di discount if you do a district license of Nearpod, but now you're buying one for every kid or every teacher. And it might be only 10 or 12 teachers that really use it well and right. really want to use it. And, you know, and the hard part is, is what is that limit? But I do like the idea that, you know, if I'm a science teacher and I really want that thing that is specific to me, I've got an allowance of 150 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah. But if I really want it, I have that allowance to go and, and, and make these devices even richer for my content area. Absolutely. And then even at a, I mean, and then my, my wondering would be then, could you then as maybe a department, say the science department comes together and then we could pool our money and get a school license or a department license for Nearpod because we've all decided that this is like no red ink, right? Like the English right. department come together and be like, you know what? This is worth our funds. We're willing to pay for this out of our collective funds so that we could afford it. I mean, that's, absolutely. I kind of like that. I kind of like that idea. And I, I actually see us, so this is also, you know, being year one, we, we haven't had conversations yet about supply lists and, mm -hmm. and things that teachers need in their classrooms. I know that, that conversation comes from our bookkeeper about this time every year of, okay, how many post-it notes do you need and how yeah. many markers do you need and things like that. And so I'm hoping that we can, you know, reallocate some of that funding towards um, some of these different licenses as well. Mm. And the same is true for our kids. You know, we, we historically, if, like every other school, we send home a supply list right. and we ask parents to buy seven comp books and six yeah. pencils. And, and so I think some of that's going to change as well as we, you know, continue down the road using yeah. technology. For You're going to need three pairs of earbuds, right? <laughs> yeah. Two thumb drives, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What right now do, is a, a, like an app or a website or something that you're kind of just like, you know what? that one's got some potential that maybe you're not using it or it's not being adopted yet, but you're kind of playing with and kind of thinking about like, you know what, next year or, or that one, I'm thinking there's something there uh, at the moment. Do you have anything? I have, a, I have a running list on my phone. I just had to grab it and kind of <laughs> take a look at it. And it's a running list of, um, you know, working with 11, 12 and 13 year old kids. It's hard for them to create an account for everything. And so sure. I have a running list of kind of single sign on um, office 365 single sign on sites. Um, and then I have another list of other sites that have potential, uh, and kind of taking a look at that, you know, the one that, that I, that I really love that I would like to see used more is Edulastic. Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite assessment sites, not only for, um, formative assessments, and, but also summative assessments. Um, it's a single sign on for Google and uh, Office 365, and it has a great data dashboard, even, even though it's, even if it's the free version has right. a great data dashboard, it's standards aligned, and it, it really kind of gives you an idea of, of where a kid's at and what they know and helps a teacher quickly identify who needs intervention. Um, that, that's probably my favorite um, assessment one. Uh, Mindomo, 
um, has been used. I've seen some teachers using Mindomo more and more. Again, it's an Office 365 single sign-on. It's great for mapping. It's great for getting ideas out. And it's a perfect opportunity for a teacher that might be reluctant to using technology to um, do a replacement activity because kids can, you know, make a mind map, map on paper and then yeah. go to Mindomo and, and build it online. Mm, that's cool. Uh, so that's, that's great for, for kids that are, you know, learning as well as teachers that are learning how to, um, you know, use technology for learning. Yeah. I'll have to, I haven't heard of either one of those. So I'll have to go. Oh, yeah. They're both, they're both pretty Rather powerful. Than. Yeah. Mindomo is cool. similar to Poplet. Okay. Um, and Poplet, we couldn't get Poplet to work because they're, our student email addresses start with a number. Uh, and so Poplet doesn't allow that to happen. So we had crazy, just little that. things like that, you know? Right. <laughs> huh, interesting. Cool. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your day. Uh, yeah. The chat really appreciate it. It's good to hear what you guys are doing and, and the rollout and where you're headed. And you were talking about like phase three. So is there, is, is, is the goal of the district, um, are you going to be one-to-one every high school, every middle school? Is there a deadline or are they going to continue to do this application process? Kind of what's the vision at a district level? Do you know? Right. So next year, um, we definitely will be uh, one-to-one in all of our secondary schools. And so, um, yeah, all of our secondary schools will be one-to-one. And then after that, our elementaries, will continue to kind of come on board with phase four. We've got, um, right now we're Apple iPads and K5. And so they're one to one in grades three through five and then one to two in K12. Um, I would imagine that moving forward, we'll see a shift, a change in um, our grades three through five in that they will move towards um, Dell devices or, or HP devices rather um, next school year or in the, in the next couple school years, there'll be a 312 one-to-one in uh, Windows devices and a wow. K12 in, in iPads. That would oh, be my, my guess. Wow. That's great. It's a great plan. I love it. I love it. I love it. So very cool. Well, thank you for taking time to, to chat with us and a lot of, lot of stuff in there. I really appreciate it. Um, some really good tips on, on things to think about if you're rolling out a one-to-one and some apps that I've never even heard of. I'm going to go investigate right now. Um, I'll try to put links to those in the show notes as well. If people want to uh, contact you or learn more, is there, what's the best way for them to, to contact you? Twitter handle, email address? Yeah, Twitter. Uh, Tim Rigsby Tech is my Twitter um, email, just trigsby at nsd131.org. Uh, you can take a look at uh, East Valley Middle School in the Nampa School District. Um, just do a Google search for that. Uh, you reach out to really any of our teachers there. Everybody has been really receptive to having people come through their classrooms. Since we are phase two uh, and phase three is, is all the other secondary schools, we've, we've had virtually teams from every other school in our district, every other secondary school in our district come through. Uh, we've also hosted uh, Richland, Washington, their district has come through uh, recently this or this year as well. So yeah. um, people are, are open to um, providing support and input to, to others. So that's great. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'll have, make sure there's links to everything in the show notes and I'll make sure I get uh, links. If you send me an email after we hang up to a link for your Twitter account and stuff, Absolutely. I'll make sure that all gets in there. That way I don't spell anything wrong. <laughs> Perfect. So thanks for taking time to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks Jeff. All right, bud. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.